Hey Metro, we are about ready to launch one of our favorite series of the year. It's called Metro at the Movies. It's where we take some Hollywood films and we try to pull out some biblical truth from them and uh, we use them as a catalyst to talk about the things of God. It is a fun series, it is a big series, and we are about ready to launch today. But let me give you a little thought about this idea of merging entertainment and our souls. A lot of times we think that uh, because it's on a screen or because it's entertainment or because we're just kicking back and and uh, watching a movie and just chilling out uh, that we can check our brains and our souls out at the door. We, we think that, that it's mindless. Well, that's just not true. Uh, the Bible speaks very pointedly about guarding our hearts and our minds. It talks about keeping perverse things far from our eyes and far from our ears. And oftentimes, let's just be honest, much of what Hollywood throws at us is perverse. It, it does take us away from the things of God. And so the scripture says it like this, that we ought to take captive every thought, that we ought to process every thought, take captive every thought, and make it uh, subject to Jesus himself. And that's the challenge. And so I want to encourage you, as you entertain yourselves, as you kick back and watch a movie every once in a while, uh, to make sure that we put it before the Word of God, uh, to make sure that we're careful to judge what's coming into our hearts and into our souls. A lot of times we think of this in relationship to our kids and we say, oh, we wouldn't want our kids watching that. But some of what we watch, maybe we shouldn't either. Maybe we should have higher standards. King David said it like this. He said, I will lay no unclean thing before my eyes. My eyes ought to honor God. And so as a church, as we move into this series, um, we're gonna try to pick some movies that, that, we've, that, that, are, that are clean and that are fun. And, and we wanna encourage you to do the same thing when you're at home, to pick your entertainment more carefully. I think it's a way of honoring God. I think it's a way of protecting our souls and it's important. So welcome to Metro at the Movies. Here we go. Yeah, uh, you know what it, it must be great to be Batman. Batman, we love you! Thank you. I'm blushing super hard under the mask. Batman! Pray God. Thanks, Batman! Yeah. I can only imagine he's going home right now to party the night away, surrounded by friends and lady activewear models. Hey, computer. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. Master Bruce, your greatest fear is... Snakes? No. Clowns? No. It's being a part of a family again. No, now it's snake clowns because you put that idea in my head. Sir, you need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising the young orphan you adopted. Whee! I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. We built this city. What? It's the bat cave. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Look, it's the bat sub. Don't touch that. The bat zeppelin. Don't touch that either. It's the bat kayak. No. Do I get a costume? I love it, but his pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. It's better. I can only look you in the eyes right now. Hi, Batman. No way. Come catch your greatest enemy. Superman is my greatest enemy. Superman's not a bat. And I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. 
I like to fight around. Hi, Barbara Gordon, new police commissioner. It's my dream for the police force to team up with Batman. What? Wouldn't that be better? I hate everything you just said. this movie. And I don't normally like cartoon type of movies or animated type of things, but I loved this movie. I cannot remember. Maybe my life has become like too serious, but I cannot remember laughing so much as I did with this movie. It was incredible. So welcome to Metro. My name is Jeremy. I'm so glad that you're here. And if you're joining us via video at our Riverview campus, man, we are super stoked you guys are here. Uh, I hear you guys are rocking it almost every single week. I'm hearing great things about what God is doing through you guys at the Riverview campus. So let's give it up for the Riverview campus. Yeah. And if you are joining us on video via online, we are really glad that you're here. You are in for a great experience today. Uh, we are launching our summer series called Metro at the Movies. It's one of my favorite things that we do around here. Now, how many of you have seen this little film? How many, how many hands up? Hands up at both places? Both of our campuses, hands up. You've seen this? This isn't such a little movie. This movie took over $80 million to produce. Can you imagine that? $80 million to produce a glorified cartoon. But apparently the investment was worth it. Uh, not only did it uh, reap a bunch of funny laughs, which it did, but it has net almost a half a billion dollars at the box office and hundreds and hundreds of millions more through toy sales and through their tickets at their theme parks. It is wildly successful, wildly successful. And there's no doubt as to the reason why. It is a great movie. I think kids and adults will love this film all the way through. I tell you, as, a, as an adult, I laughed, I think, way more than my kids laughed throughout this thing. Now, the movie opens with the legendary Joker character taking over the city of Gotham. Now, this is classic Batman stuff here, right? Joker is blowing up everything, and the people of Gotham, they're desperate for a hero, and in comes... Batman to save the day. He is like a one-man saving machine. He swoops in and literally wins the day. But that's when we are introduced to the story within the story, the backstory. This movie really has one uh, best idea, one big idea. It's really almost the only idea in the movie. And that is that Batman's super cool aura of awesomeness and toughness and invincibility masks an underlying social isolation and fear of emotional connection and vulnerability. Now that's a mouthful, but, but simply put, it means this, that bat, this Batman story is about relationships or more appropriately put, maybe about the lack of relationships 
and the lack of the ability to build good relationships. Now, if you know the backstory of, the, of Batman, the, the Lego Batman movie takes the basics of the Batman legend, Bruce Wayne, and the death of his parents, uh, and the fame and fortune that he inherits from that, uh, his, and the vigilante alter ego that he adopts, and it imagines that because of all of his past that they've added up to this pompous crime fighter whose obsession with justice purposely, purposefully leaves no room for human connection or interaction. And in spite of his reputation as being the greatest crime fighter superhero of all time, he is actually so cluelessly self-absorbed and lacking in empathy that he's really not a good guy at all. And if you kind of travel through this movie, it really sort of makes him out to be a pompous, arrogant jerk face. It really does. Uh, on the surface, he's loved by everybody because of his uh, generosity, because of his you know, obsession with fighting crime and fighting evil. But under the surface, we learn that he's really broken. He, he's a broken man. He's a broken character, that he's alone, that he's afraid of relationships. He's afraid of love. And because he's afraid of love, the only thing or the only person that he's really ever learned to love is himself. Apparently because of the trauma of losing his parents as, as a, at, the, at a young age, Batman is afraid to let anyone get close to him. And this includes his, uh, his fellow crime-fighting justice leaguers like Superman or The Flash. You know, he just assumes that they are lonely and self-absorbed as he is, but they're really not. Uh, and it also goes for this young Dick Grayson, this young boy Batman accidentally adopts as his son, uh, who becomes Robin, the famous Batman kick. Uh, he... he, he fights getting close to him. He fights that relationship. He keeps it at arm's length, right? And it also includes the legendary Joker himself. If you watch this all the way through, you'll see that the Joker has this, this need for a relationship. With who? Batman. It's actually kind of funny. It's, it's uh, kind of the uh, the crux of the movie, right? That Joker needs to be validated as Batman's arch nemesis in the world. That, that he's the, the main person that he's fighting. And yet he doesn't really get that. Batman keeps everyone at a distance. He even mocks meaningful relationships as being weak when he sees them. I don't know if you saw the um, full uh, regular movie called The Dark Knight. It was an incredibly intense film, but Heath Ledger's Joker character says to Batman along the way, you remember this? He says, you complete me. You remember that? And that was a way of, of the Joker validating the relationship between himself and, and, and Batman. And so you're going to see that the Lego Batman movie picks up on this when Batman repeatedly watches the original You Complete Me scene from the Jerry Maguire movie where he says, You Complete Me. And every time Batman watches that, what does he do? He laughs. He mocks it. You know, he, he can't seem to understand that relationships are the completer of our life. And this becomes the underlying narrative of the entire movie. And here it is. That actually God has made us for a relationship that it's wired within us, that we have a need to not be alone and we are not complete when we are alone. Check this out. Well, it's only a matter of time before I take over Gotham City. When does that ever happen? Computer. Calculating. Never. You know why? Ah! Because I'm always one step ahead of you. And I always get away! Not this time. 
Just this time, I got you. Oh, yeah? Well, there's only one problem. Who's gonna defuse the bomb? It's gotta be one or the other, Batman. Save the city or catch your greatest enemy. You can't do both. I'm sorry, what did you just say? You can't do both, I said. No, I mean the other thing. Save the city or catch your greatest enemy. You think you're my greatest enemy? Yes, you're obsessed with me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are! Who else drives you to one-up them the way that I do? Bane. No, he doesn't. Superman. Superman's not a bad guy. Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. What? I like to fight around. Okay, look, I'm, I'm fine with you fighting other people if you want to do that, but what we have is special. So when people ask you who's your number one bad guy, you say? Superman. Are you seriously saying that there is nothing, nothing special about our relationship? Whoa. Let me tell you something, Jaybird. Batman doesn't do ships. What? As in relationships. There is no us. Batman and Joker are not a thing. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. You mean nothing to me. No one does. What was that dialogue? It says, Batman says, I'd say I currently do not have a bad guy, right? And then he says, I'm currently fighting a few different people, right? And Joker says, what? What? Are you crazy? And then Batman says, I like to fight around. To which Joker says, okay, I'm fine with you fighting around if you want to do that. But you have to admit we have something special, right? And, you, and it's hard to miss the romantic relational language there, even if, it's, it, if it is about a bromance, right? Right? It's hard to miss that. You see, because Superman has Lois Lane and Spider-Man has Mary Jane and the Avengers have each other, but this Batman is alone. He has no one. You see, one of the reasons we do these movie series is because uh, sometimes when we watch a big film like these, we see ourselves in that film. Sometimes these movies reflect what's going on in our own hearts, in our own souls. And sometimes... They reflect the truth of God. Yes, even Hollywood can sometimes reflect the truth of God. And it's usually written through creative writers and seasoned and well-groomed actors and actresses that put it on display for us. And we see a picture of ourselves coming to life through these things. And sometimes it exposes the pains that we have been through, the fears that we have. And in this movie in particular, it exposes the fear of loss, right? Uh, the fear of rejection, or maybe the fear of being insignificant in this world. And friends, listen to me. If we were honest, every single one of us, we would have to admit that we have these fears too. We, we have the fear of loss in our life. And we have the fear of rejection in our life. And we have the fear of maybe, just maybe, finding ourselves to be completely insignificant in the world around us. We wonder, we wonder, does our life really even mean anything at all? And so Lego Batman answers, uh, answer to this question is, is I don't do ships, right? He says, because of this, because of these fears that I have, I don't do, what does he say? Relationships. He keeps everybody at bay. He is 
alone. But he's not the only one who is alone, right? Friends, let's just be honest for a moment. I think every single person listening today has felt this aloneness of life. We felt like our life really doesn't matter to anyone, even in our family sometimes, or even in a crowd of people. We're, we're afraid to open up our hearts we're, uh, just a little bit. We, we keep everybody at, at a distance because why? We've been hurt before. And so oftentimes we'll keep people at a distance because who among us wants to be hurt again? And so we're not willing to try again. And that makes sense, doesn't it? You see, we live on the surface and yeah, we got a bunch of buddies that we can laugh with or a bunch of lady friends that we go out with and you can giggle the night away. And, but, it, but it's all kept up here on the surface. But alone, but, but, but below the surface, there is this loneliness. There is this aloneness that cripples the soul. Um, and we wonder, I think sometimes everybody in this room has wondered this, that if I were to take my dying breath tonight, would anybody really care? I mean, really, really care. Uh, John Maxwell is a popular writer. I've read a lot of his stuff, and he was a pastor for a lot of years. And, and so when he writes, he kind of infuses it with the wisdom that somebody has from trying to pastor even a, sh uh, a ship like this, a church like ours, right? And he kind of uh, layers that into his books. Well, one of his books was called Winning with People, and he talks about the value of this thing called relationship. Listen to what he writes. He says, good relationships are the foundation for achievement. Relationships are more than just icing on the cake in life. Listen to what he says. They are the cake, Relationships are the cake, the very substance we need to live successful and fulfilling lives. Uh, friends, in other words, what's he saying? He says we need each other, not just for success, but for personal fulfillment, for personal completeness in our life, for meaning in our life. Uh, in that book, he goes on to talk about these, these principles that our, that our relationships are built on. And he calls the very first principle, the bedrock principle. And he talks about this idea of building a house or building a structure. And he talks about how if you've ever watched a house go up, it goes up piece by piece. It starts on the bottom. It lays a foundation block by block by block by block and then stick by stick on top of it. One step at a time. And he says it's the same way in relationships, that it takes effort. It takes purpose, purposefulness. It takes Listen, it takes trusting other people and it takes you being trustworthy. And the truth of the matter is, as we learn in this little movie, that Batman, uh, he just isn't really willing to go there. And we're going to see that a lonely life is a sad life. Check this out. You're welcome. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I'm blushing super hard under the mask. Gotcha, Batman. Prego. You're the best, Batman. Oh, I'm humble. Thanks, Batman. Super modest about it. Thank Batman, you. Batman, you're the greatest. Oh, pray hands, pray hands. Thanks for saving the city. You're welcome. Batman, I love you more than my kids. So do I, guy. I love my life. Computer. Go ahead. Are we near the orphanage? Yes. Great. Let's turn those frowns upside down. It sounds like the Batmobile. No way! Hey, orphans! Look who's here! Oh. Hey, 
kids? Who wants a shot from the merch gun? Great. Kaboom! Kaboom! And the rest of you get bad bugs. Kaboom! Remember, kids, if you want to be like Batman, take care of your abs. Batman out. What is the password? Iron Man sucks. Thank you. It must be great to be Batman. I can only imagine he's going home right now to party the night away, surrounded by scores of friends and lady tennis players. Hey, computer. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. Oh, not 20 minutes. Stupid. again today. I wish you could have seen me. I think you would have been really proud. There you are. Oh, Alfred, I am so sorry. I have incredible reflexes. No, it's all my fault, sir. I should have known better than to sneak up on you like that. Sorry, I've just lost in thought, and as you know, when I'm in there, I'm in deep. Were you looking at the old family pictures again? At the what? The old family... Oh, yes, I see what you mean. Look at that. The old gang. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I see. Sir, if you don't mind my saying, I'm a little concerned. I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? I don't talk about feelings, Alfred. I don't have any. I've never seen one. I'm a night-stalking, crime-fighting vigilante in a heavy metal wrapping machine. 
I don't feel anything emotionally except for rage. 24-7, 365, at a million percent. And if you think that there's something behind that, then you're crazy. Good night, Alfred. Sir, it's morning. <laughs> Master Bruce, you live on an island figuratively and literally. Yeah, I love it. You can't spend the rest of your life alone, dressed in black, listening to angry music and staying up all night. Yes, I can, because I'm Batman. But don't you think it's time you finally faced your greatest fear? Snakes? No. Clowns? No. Snake clowns? Bruce, listen. Your greatest fear is being a part of a family again. Now it's snake clowns because you put that idea in my head. Sir. Time for push-ups. One, two, we're going to a thousand. I'm afraid that's not eight. possible, sir. It is possible. I'm already at 20. You're 20 scheduled two, to go to Jim Gordon's three. retirement party. What? No, I don't want to do that. You're going to have a great time. No, 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 you no. You might meet some new people. No, 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 no. You even make some new friends. No, 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 no. The best line in the movie, when I'm in there, I'm in deep. It's so good. I think the best scene of the entire movie is the microwave scene. Uh, it, it is. It, it, it just sets it up, doesn't it? Because he just comes to all of the adoring fans and everybody's screaming and life looks good and life looks big and life looks grand and life looks happy. But he goes home to where nobody is and he stands in front of a microwave, twiddling his thumbs making these little silly noises, right? And, and it's just, it's funny, but it's just really, really sad. Let me say it again. Lonely people are sad people. And a lonely life is a sad life. And, and let me tell you something that you already know. Everyone in this room deals with this thing called loneliness. Every one of, this, of, of us in this room have been lonely in the middle of a crowd. Every one of us has been the new kid at school, the new person at work. We've been the outsider in the neighborhood. Uh, we've all been there. This need to belong is, is very powerful. This, this idea of belonging somewhere in life Man, it is built in us from God himself. This, there's this little verse in the Old Testament part of the Bible. It starts at the very, very beginning. And it's a verse that we, we've cited around here a lot. And listen, it's a verse that Jesus himself picked up thousands of years later and repeated to us because it is so important. Um, you see, God was looking at, at his creation. He was looking upon all of the incredible things that he, is, he, he put together. And he, and he looks at man who was alone at that time. And he says, it is not good. Maybe you remember this. It is not good for man to be alone. And why is that? I think God understands that a lonely life is a sad life. You see, because I think loneliness is not like God or being alone is not like God because God has never been alone. Do you realize this? God has never been alone. Not through all of history, not through all of eternity. God has always had himself. And you might understand this as the Trinity. Some of us, you, you understand that God exists in, in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's always had his Son. And he's always had the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something else. God, since the creation of man, has always had us. 
His presence has always been with us. God doesn't do alone. Batman does alone. And that's why it's so sad. Because God did not make us to be alone. A, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I preached about this idea of being wise toward outsiders. Anybody remember that? And, and we talked about how, and I don't know if you're a Christian, but if you are a Christian in this room, that God tells us that when we present our lives, when we present our faith to somebody else, we better do it in a smart way. We better not do it in some ridiculous sort of a way, right? That turns people off. And he talks about being wise. And so I, I openly uh, confessed uh, that I have made my share of mistakes in this way. Just screwed it up, especially when I was younger. And really, honestly, I screw it up all the time. And I try to get it right. And, it, and sometimes it's just hard. And, and you just say the wrong thing. You do the wrong thing. React the wrong way. And, and so honestly, when I was sharing this, uh, I don't know if you've ever reflected on how you've represented Jesus to the world around you. But man, it breaks my heart when I think about how bad I've screwed this up. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? When, when you talk about how you represent yourself to your kids and how you represent God to your kids and to your neighbors and to, to your friends and to the people you work with. I mean, I walked away going, man, I suck. I gotta, I gotta do this better. Well, what was funny about it, later that same day on Sunday, when I get home, I preached, you know, two, two experiences and then I, I go home and, and this is a true story. Honestly, God, I got two letters via Facebook in my little message box thing. And they both, I think God was reminding me that I don't always get it wrong, right? And both of these were dealing with this power of belonging. I just want to read these two notes. Absolutely true story. I just want to read them for you word for word uh, that came in that day. And I think they both deal with this power of belonging. Listen to this. It says, hi, Jeremy. I'm not sure if you remember me or not, but to share a little bit about who I am. You see, I went to Emmett Street Missionary Church in Battle Creek, Michigan during my late teenage years. In fact, I was at one of their, and that was the church uh, that I kind of grew up in and I, and I kept in contact with, you know, for a lot of years. And then it says, uh, in fact, I was there at a youth group performance of Michael W. Smith musical in the spring of 1992. You may remember you came down for that show as well. Uh, what you probably don't know is that that was my first time in church ever. I grew up in a completely unchurched home and I was only there because the folks driving the church bus had rep repeatedly invited me. Uh, here's the thing. You came over to me and greeted me. And I remember, I remember that you made a comment about us having the same name. And I thought, wow, check this out. Wow. This cool guy with rocker long hair is in church and saying hello to me. Just saying, just saying. Then listen to this. He says, I, I didn't really get to meet anyone else that night since they were all busy with the musical, but your greeting made me feel welcomed and, and I came back after that. In other words, I belong here. I belong here. Listen to this. I eventually accepted Christ and his call on my life at a camp called Brown City Camp. Pause. That's the camp where I accepted God's call on my life. Same camp. Isn't that crazy? Uh, fast forward a lot of years. I've been a senior pastor now since 2003, and I have been in ministry since 1994. I know that God used a whole lot of people in my life to shape me into the person I am today, but I want to thank you for the part you played in kicking off my walk with Christ. It's kind of funny. No evangelizing, no witnessing to me, not even a little preaching, but just you, someone coming, uh, but just you being willing to Take a moment and to greet someone you didn't know, uh, even if it wasn't your church at that time. Um, 
and you had such an impact. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he signs, Pastor Jeremy. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. The power of belonging, right? And then later that same night, later that same night, listen to this. I just talk about this in church, about being wise toward outsiders, but now God is speaking to me about the power of belonging. He's reminding me of just how important this thing called church is. This thing called community is. This thing called, we, we call life groups around here. The thing we call Live or Fuel or, or Unite or, or uh, Metro Kids or Renew. Any of these groups that we have, how important it is to build a community where people belong, where relationships can grow and be natural, right? And so listen to what this young lady writes to me a little bit later that evening. Uh, she writes, hi, I just wanted to say thank you. We've never officially met, but as I was walking in the parking lot after Unite, you waved at me as you drove by. It's sort of funny because we were leaving. I had my family there and, and I came to Unite that night. I don't normally come and we were just trying to get out. And one of the problems with being a pastor of a big church is that it takes you an hour and a half to leave any building, okay? It just does. And so we were trying to skirt around the edge and that's when I kind of almost ran this young lady over. And so, uh, and so uh, she's over there and I said, you, you waved to me as you drove by. I left that night in a weird space emotionally and feeling sort of invisible. So getting acknowledged from someone who doesn't even know my name was one of the ways that God reminded me of how much he knows me and understands me. Now, this may sound weird to you, uh, and waving to people may not seem like much to you, but God knew a simple wave would help me out. So thank you for showing a characteristic of Christ and his awareness of people around him. Wow. And she signs it. She signs it, Rachel. Two notes the same day. Now, I think God, for me at that time, knew, knew that I needed some encouragement that I do some things right, okay? Do you ever feel like that? Like you just seem to screw it all up and you just go, I just need something to make me feel like I get something right once in a while. And, and I think God knew I needed that. But I think more that God was reminding me to remind you as a church, as a community of faith, that we need to build the kind of community where, where people can belong, where we are wide open, to people, even lost people, people who are far, far from the heart of God. It, it's, it's at the center of who we are as Christians to create this kind of loving atmosphere. And so here's Batman in his cavernous lair, the Batcave, right? It's huge. It's larger than life. You remember that? The door opens up and it's got the big bat symbol. And then he says, I'm home, home, home. And isn't that just so sad? Didn't you just, your heart drop for him just a little bit? even with all of his pompousness, your heart just drops because you know that loneliness is tough. You know that an alone life or a lonely life is a sad life. You know that. And this Lego Batman does something, uh, this movie does something that very few um, portrayals of these iconic superheroes ever really do. It portrays a superhero as being completely human, doesn't it? Because he goes in and he does what we do. He starts worrying about his things, trying to mask his isolation. And, and what does he do? He, he spends his time worrying about his nine pack, right? You don't have nine abs. Super, uh, Batman does because he's so awesome, right? You got eight abs, you know? Uh, but he worries about his physique. I'm just going to do push-ups to drown out what? The pain of being alone. That's what he's doing. He goes and he worries about all of his outfits. And you notice that all the outfits look the same. 
You notice that? And he's worried about making sure they're all perfect. And he worries about all of his stuff, his toys, his Batman mobiles, all of that stuff. And, he, and he's obsessed with this, uh, this, this crime-fighting passion that he has, right? Uh, and all of that can be good things. But what does Batman say? He says, if you want to be with, like me, you got to do these things. Very surface level living, right? And friends, I think that's how a lot of us in this very room, at, at our campuses, this is how we choose to live as well. Because we've been hurt a time or two, we keep everyone at a distance. And we start to obsess over all the kind of wrong things. We become easily distracted by life, right? By stuff, by tasks, by entertainment, by career, by style. We become distracted and, and we think our life is complete, complete living on the surface just because we have all of our things in a row. But underneath, there's a hole. And it's a deep hole. And it's a cavernous hole. And, and it's, and it's uh, a pain that, that many of us live in and we choose to live in there. And I understand it's because a lot of times we've been hurt before and no one wants to be hurt again. And so for the first time, Batman or Bruce Wayne is confronted with this loneliness. He's forced to look at what being alone is costing him and what, if anything, will he do about it? Take a look. Computer, how do I put the Joker in the Phantom Zone? Quickest route, no freeways. Computer, do you hear me? Hello, Master Bruce. Alfred, there's something wrong with the back computer. Watch this. Computer, nothing. Computer, do you see what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with it, sir. I've just taken away your computer privileges. The parental lock? You can't do that. Oh, I can. I've been reading Setting Limits for Your Out-of-Control Child. You know what? doesn't matter, because I have a double-secret super password that unlocks the parental lock. You mean Alfred de Butler with two T's? <laughs> Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. No, it's not. You need to take responsibility for your life. Not right now, I don't. And it starts by raising your son. I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. The young orphan you adopted at the gala, remember? <laughs> wow, stairs. Oh. He's been living here for the past week. Hello, table. Oh. And I must say, I've grown rather fond of the young lad. Hello, secret camera. You should get to know him. You and he have a lot in common. Family photos? He lost his parents at a very young age. I've always wanted one of those. Doesn't he deserve a chance for someone to take him under their wing? As I took you under mine? Alfred, you've been watching way too many Lifetime movies and drinking Chardonnay. It's Pinot Grigio, sir. Whatever it is, listen, you don't have a family. You're satisfied serving me. So what do you know about having a surrogate son? Now, I'm gonna go fight crime while you put that kid on the next jet to the orphanage. Got it? As you wish, sir. <whistles> Whoops-a-daisy. <gasps> Wait, what are you doing? Dusting? You can't let him into the Batcave. I'm not. I'm letting him into your life. 
via the Batcave. Sup, Joker? Namaste, Batman. Namaste. Gross. Ooh, briefs, man. Me too. Get the baloney, kid. Guard the door, will ya? On it! Take that, Alan! Huh. Looks like you're going to a lot of trouble for little old me. I must be your greatest enemy after all. Right, Batman? I see what you're trying to do. And what is that? You're trying to entrap me into a relationship. Really? Yeah, and it's not gonna work. Oh yes it is. Because I'm inside your head. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're not. not. <gasps> I knew you'd say that. No, no you, you didn't. didn't. <gasps> and I knew you'd say that. See, we aren't so different, I and you. It's, it's you, you and, and I. I. Admit it. I'm your greatest enemy. You're not my greatest enemy, Joker. Okay, then send me to the Phantom Zone. Fine, I will. And prove I'm your greatest enemy. Batman, don't do this. As long as you're in the Phantom Zone, I'll be saving Gotham City. And that's all that matters to me. Goodbye, Joker. Oh, Batman, thank you. <laughs> yes, that's what I call saving the city again. Batman, what are you doing? I'm Batman-ing. I'm Batman. I'm awesome. I got a nine-pack. Stop it! Batman, I can't believe you did this. Hi, police lady. And even worse, you've made this kid into an accessory to your crime. <laughs> Sorry, kid. That's okay, ma'am. As long as I'm doing a dime in the big house with my old man, everything's gonna be A-OK. -okay. Officers, take this projector to the evidence room. You got it. And get this man some pants. I'm good the way I am. Bigo, why has nobody fist bumped me yet? You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be you, Batman. I wanted to be as strong and as fast and as smart as Batman. But you're not who I thought you were. Uh, what do you mean? You can't be a hero if you only care about yourself. Wow. I think uh, one of the funnier little plots through it is how Batman, um, you know, all the way through kind of is rejecting this relationship with the Joker and the Joker just feels so neglected through it all, right? And, and the Joker says to Batman, you know, how long have we been enemies? At one point in the movie, he goes, how long have we been enemies? And, and not even an ounce of appreciation from you, Batman, right? And it's true. The, this sentiment is apparently shared by other members of Batman's outlawed community uh, because at the end, they ultimately team up with him to fight the Joker, right? And, and what's interesting is they do that when they realize that this crime fighting machine is actually showing them some appreciation. And, and so there's a learning in this for, for, I think, for us, at least for me, and that is do not neglect the closest people in your life. Do not neglect the people right around you. It's easy to become self-absorbed. It is easy to become full of self, where it becomes your needs, your desires, my needs, my desires, my wants, my, 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 my everything. It is not hard to become self-absorbed. And, and let me say it like this to you, that a self-absorbed life is a miserable life. A self-absorbed life is a miserable life. I don't think it's possible to be the superhero to anybody if you are super selfish. You hear me? I don't think it's possible to be the superhero to anybody. Husbands, look at me, husbands. If your wife senses for too long that your life and your relationship is about you and what you get out of it, there will be a day that the lights go off in her eyes. She will no longer look to you as her knight in shining armor. She will no longer look to you as her protector, as the one who cares for her. She will no longer love you and serve you. 
It'll go off one day and you'll just become the jerk face that sleeps in the bed next to her. That's all it'll be. And dads, you look at me for a second. Dads, this is true of you. If your kids are so exasperated that they feel that all it is is about you and about what you want. And, and if they don't feel that you are loving them and serving them and caring for them and nurturing them and bringing them along in life, if, you, if they don't feel like you're setting them up for wins in life, one day they will look at you and they will turn from you. One day it'll go off in their life. It'll just stop. The relationship will come to an end. It will happen without you even realizing it. And ladies, it is the same for you. With your friendships, with your work environment, if it is a self-absorbed life, it will be a miserable life for you and for everybody around you eventually. And you know this to be true because every single one of us at some point has become self-absorbed. Amen. And you know the effects of it. So God comes along and he begins to speak truth into how we are to do this thing called relationship. And I just want to take you into a bit of the scripture. It says in Romans chapter 12, and I just want to read this to you. We're going to put it up on the screens for you. Follow along if you can. It says this in Romans chapter 12. This is advice from God how to build good relationships. Here, here's what he says. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Pause. Don't just pretend you, that you care. Actually care. Don't just say, I love you, son. I love you, wifey. I love you, whoever. Actually love them. Care about them. Serve them. It says this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly, though, to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take light. Uh, take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. He says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on what? Praying. Pray first, work second, right? And then verse 13, it says, when God's people are in need, what does he say? Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be generous, right? He's saying, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Well, he's not very nice to me. God says, I know. They're kind of jerky. I know. It says bless them anyways. Woo! That's crazy talk. But it says bless them anyways. It says don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Not only are you supposed to bless them, but you're supposed to pray that God blesses them. How crazy is that? Right? He says, you want to learn how to do relationship? This is how you do it. It says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. What is he saying? He's saying, go through the hard times. Go through the good times. Be in relationship with one another. We talk about life groups in this church. We want people in our church to find a life group because we want them to do life with God, dot, 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 together with other people. Because God knows that it's not good to be alone. And when you're together with other people, you start to serve other people. You start to care about other people. You start to love other people. And when you do it purposely from your heart, this grows and grows and grows inside of you. Here's what, what he says. He says, be happy with those who are happy. Uh, weep with those who weep. And then listen to this. Live in harmony with each other. And then he says this. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Woo! Come on. And don't think that you know it all. Ordinary people is what life is made of. The people God has put you around. 
Some of us always dream of another place, another city, another job, another family, another neighborhood, another, another, another. It is the ordinary people of life that, is, that, that life is made of, right? It's who you're with on a day in and day out level. He says, make the most of every opportunity. God says, this is how you do it. Batman says, concentrate on the abs. <laughs> and God says, no, 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 you better go a little deeper. Abs are important. I'm working on my abs right now. I'm telling you, it ain't going good. <laughs> but God says, Jeremy, you better work on something way more important than that. You better work on the relationships right around you, right? God says, you be like me in these things and it will go well for you. I want to show you one more scene. Check this out. I'm locking in some coordinates now. Boop, 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 boop. Take the scuttler to the taco stand on the border of Gotham City and Bloodhaven. No! I want you to get these guys a couple of chimichangas and three jarritos. Uh, and then keep them there until this whole attack on Gotham City blows over. Padre, please, don't do this. Batman, you need us. How many times I gotta tell you? Batman works alone. No, we have to stick together. Please. Now go on, Scuttler, go. Go. Batman. Just get out of here. Padre! Get moving. Please. Just go. Batman! Scuttler, move out! You're doing the wrong thing. Listen to me! Standing for intruders. Standing for intruders. Hi, Bats. What have you done to my Bruce Wayne's house? You better hope he's a cool guy and doesn't go crazy. What happened to all your friends? I don't need friends. I don't need anyone to stop you. Are you sure about that? Look in the mirror, Batman. When I saw you working with your friend family, I actually thought you'd change, but no. You pushed them away. You've run away from every other person in your life. But I'm the one you're always chasing. Is this about that stupid greatest enemy thing? No, it's not. Not anymore. You tell him, Joker. It's time for a fresh start. He's not worth it. I think after 78 years, I deserve respect. That is right, respect. Do you realize that you have never once said the words, I hate you, Joker? Not once. Well, I am starting to feel pretty annoyed with you right now. That's for darn sure. Annoyed is not the same thing. Listen, Batman, I hate you. Oh, that's nice. Now you say it. Me too. You won't. You won't change. Because you can't. You won't, and you can't. Batman will never change. You know what, Boo Boo? Just shut it down. These diseased lunatics are right. Yes, we are. I am not going to be part of a one-sided relationship 
any longer. Yes! What are you talking about? You and I are done. What is wrong with you? I'm moving on. That's ridiculous. And on my way out, I'm gonna blow up Gotham City. No, you're not serious. You know what? For once, Batman, you're right. I'm not your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is you. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Batman. Hold on a second. Good for you, Boo Boo. Yay! Everybody get a bomb. Let's go. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Let's bomb it out. Yay! Batman says, how many times do I have to tell you Batman works alone? And if you watch this movie, you, you do pick up the sense that he's starting to grow, that he's starting to move forward, that he's, that he's starting to trust and build these relationships. But, but then he goes right back to it, doesn't he? Thinking that he can act alone, that he can save the world alone. And that's when Joker says, you know, I'm not your greatest enemy. You are your greatest enemy. And friends, uh, this isn't just about Batman. This is about us, isn't it? How many of us have done this as well, that we've taken some steps forward and we're starting to become something different, something, dare we even say, better? And then it's like we go right back to it. We go right back to the very thing that we came from. And it's like we don't want to, but we just do. It's like what we know. Let me tell you something. Uh, we've been talking about a, a lonely life is a sad life. A, a self-absorbed life is a miserable life, but a stubborn life is a stuck life, a stubborn life, thinking that you gotta do it the same way over and over and over, that's mean, that means you're stuck. There is this passage in the book of the Bible called Proverbs and it talks about this idea of how a dog goes back to its folly, right? A dog goes back to its vomit. It says that when a dog vomits, it what? Have you ever seen this? Like, it's crazy. People who love animals, I don't know why you love animals, because it says like they go and they vomit and then they circle around and they smell and eat their own vomit. Have you seen this with a dog? Right there is why I don't have a dog, right there. That's crazy to bring that in your house, okay? But that's what they do, right? But it says this, it goes on and says, and like a dog acts, that's how a fool acts. And that's you and me. We go back to our folly. We go right back to the stuff that stinks. We go right back to the stuff that hurts us. It's crazy. And, and the truth is, is the Joker's right. Is that the worst enemy is not out there for most of us. The worst enemy is where? It's right in here. It's like we know what God wants. We know where we're supposed to go and who we're supposed to become and what we're supposed to change. But it's like we're stuck. It's like we're stubborn on purpose. Well, eventually... Uh, Batman kind of cycles around and he gets it, you know. He realizes that he can't keep living this way. And friends, I just wonder about us. Um, when are we going to realize? And I don't know what your issue might be. I don't know where you've been stuck. I don't know if it is relationships. I don't know if it's addictions. I don't know if it's something just with trusting God. I don't know if it's a fear in your life. I, I don't know. Um, but we can't stay stuck right? We can't. We need to figure out how to move forward. Um, here, here's how the scripture says it. There is a path before each, of, each person that seems right, but in the end, it only leads him to death. This pathway that we choose sometimes when we're younger, sometimes we get into something and we don't realize where it's heading, but as soon as we figure out that it's not heading in the right place, I would advise getting off of it. 
God allows U-turns, amen? Come on, y'all hear me? God allows a change. He allows this. And, and so that's what I'm saying. So uh, I don't have time to play you another clip, but I just want to say one more thing to you. One more thing. A tragic life, a tragic life can be a renewed life. A tragic life can be a renewed life. It really can. Uh, and, and listen, before we go getting down on Batman too much, much we got to remember what, where he came from. Remember in the story, uh, what we don't see on screen is that his parents were tragically killed or murdered, right? He witnessed this as a child, and so he's lived with this. And remember in that scene, it's so sad. He, he goes up and sees his mom and dad, who he hasn't seen since he was a, you know, just a kid. And he says, Mom, Dad, I saved the city of Gotham again today. You'd be real proud of me, right? And so he's missed that relationship all of his life. But we see at the end that a tragic life can be a renewed life. If you turn your heart toward God, he can change anything in your life. It takes a humble heart. It takes a heart moving toward him, leaning toward him. But, but he can change a heart. He can change a direction. I just want to leave you with this little passage of scripture. It says this, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. God is near the brokenhearted, the tragic life. God is near it and he can save a crushed spirit. He can. Amen? Amen. Um, some pretty cool little learnings from a cartoon, huh? A lot to teach us. They're rooted in the scripture. They're not from a cartoon. They're from God's word. Let God's spirit speak to you today. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we just take a moment um, to wrestle through some of the things we talked about and yeah, I know we used a silly little movie as our kind of tour guide today. Um, but God, whatever is not from you, would it just be washed away from us? And God, whatever is from you, would it settle deep in our hearts today? Uh, Lord, would you use this little cartoon and the scripture to teach us, God, uh, to move us? God, help us to embrace relationships because they are from you. And God, for the broken relationships, and I know every single person in this room has a broken relationship. I pray, God, that you would, you would begin to mend them. And God, that you would put back together only that which you can put back together. God, we tried. They wouldn't be broken if we could fix them. So we need you, God. We need you, God. Put this back together for us. Help us not to be stuck where we're at. Help us to learn to trust you more, God. In Jesus' name, together we say, amen, amen. amen.